Hello, welcome to the Taffy Marino podcast. I'm your host, Taffy, and I'm so glad that you joined me. Together, we are going to empower and encourage one another to do the good things God planned for us long ago. Let's get started. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, We are on our third week covering the parable of the sower. And this week we're going to be talking about the thorny ground. Um, Again, we have our guest, my husband, Troy Marino. How are you? Glad to be back. I'm so glad to have you. It's always nice to have you and just talk about the word. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in because I feel like this episode, there's just so much to cover. Uh, we got a lot of ground. Yeah. So, um, let's, I'm going to go ahead and, and, uh, back us up and reiterate, uh, Mark's, uh, gospel account of this parable of the sower, uh, the parable of all parables, if you will. And, uh, we're going to be in chapter four again, and I'll begin again in verse three. Jesus said, Hark, and behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit, and others on good ground, and they did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and it brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Then going over um, into verse 14, Jesus gives an explanation to the disciples privately after he addressed the general crowd with this, and he said, The sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure for a season afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. So this week we're going to be talking about the ones that fell among the thorns, and it says, And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Um, when Jesus gives that explanation of what this represents, what each of these um scenarios represent the different types of ground it said now these are the ones sown among the thorns they're the ones who hear the word 
And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter and choke and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. One thing that's always stood out to me is that it says it becomes unfruitful. And that gives the image that it once had fruit. And so it was kind of a progressive thing that after the, the word was sown, it did say it was sown among thorns, but then the thorns begin to grow up and literally choke the word. Yeah. Yeah. And and what we um, what we know is that um, oftentimes thorns or weeds grow fast, right? And uh, and they they'll overtake a, a garden or a flower bed before you know it. When we look at that, you know, it says that we're sown among thorns. Now that's a very common um, reference. We would see that just about anywhere that you live. Thorns are a common thing. They're important, though, I think, because they're always symbolic of the curse. And so when we see thorns, uh, there is that that representation, that symbolism of the curse or um, the operation of the world system, the way the world does things. And so when it says, and the, and the thorns grew up, that, word, that, that phrase grew up in the Greek means it literally ascended. Uh, so it, there was ascendancy above that of the word and the plant that was growing out of the word. The effect of everything, the, the, the ground, the soil itself was conducive to the word. It was a healthy environment for the seed of the word to be sown and to grow and to produce fruit. But it was also growing other things. And it was allowed to ascend itself above the word. And so what are the thorns? They are the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things. Those things ascended themselves above the word. You know, we've always talked about doubting is um, when you consider two opposing opinions and you you were just talking about how the thorns represent the world system and the word is God's word it is his system it's the way we operate and there're two and it says when you doubt it's when you consider two opposite things with equal value you consider it and um you know last week we talked about that in James about how he said count it all joy when you suffer or fall into persecution for the sake of the word yeah so it's to make your roots grow deep but here we see that right below that it says ask God to give you wisdom but ask it in faith because he that doubts cannot receive anything from God yeah and those care, that word cares, uh, it literally means to, uh, to bring anxiety. And the, and the root word of, of that in the Greek uh, means to divide. So the, the, the process by which anxiety comes is to bring division, to split. So it's just what you're talking about that James references over there in James having an, an opposing position or, or two opposing views. It, it's the double-mindedness. And that's bringing, that, that creates that anxiety 
that uh, comes from the world system. Well, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says over, um, I believe it's in Timothy, where he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear or anxiety, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or some say single mind. Yes. So over here he's saying a double-minded man is unstable, anxious, full of care, full of worry, um, in all of his ways. So it's not just one area. I think that's something, I'm not trying to rabbit trail here, but something I've noticed is when fear comes in, it will infiltrate every part of your life. Yes. It's not going to stay contained in one area. You're going to become anxious about everything. Yes. And um, But it said God didn't give us that. He didn't give us fear, but a power, love, and a single sound, stable mind. Yeah, you know, Jesus talked about that in, in his teaching. He said, if your eye be single, then your body is filled with light. And then he says this, he says, but if your eye is evil, then your body is filled with darkness. He didn't say, if your eye is divided, he went from single to evil. Because, because let's just cut to the chase. If it's divided, it is evil. Well, and what does it say? An evil heart of unbelief. I can't remember where that's found, but that's, it says that they had an evil heart or yeah, a, of unbelief. That's yeah. doubting. That's double-minded. It's evil. But that's what we're talking about here. When cares, when things that oppose what God's word has said. Yes. And you said it it, it literally means to choke it? Yes. Yeah, so like by the throat. It literally means when it says that it choked out the word. That word choke in the Greek, it's a, it's a Greek compound. And without boring in, uh, anyone and butchering the Greek language, let me just simply uh, break it down. It, it literally means to by the throat. Uh, you know, to come up close, uh, to come alongside, and to grab hold of by the throat. Well, what is that implication? Well, when when something is choking you, you cannot speak. So the thing that the word was intended to do, to, to produce life, how do we produce life? With the word of God, we speak the word of God. But the cares of this life, the anxiety and the double-mindedness, not to mention the other two we haven't got into yet, are, are there to choke, to ascend themselves above the authority of the word in a person's life and heart, and then to choke out the word itself from them speaking it, to silence the word. You know, I was recently studying about um, when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That word wrestle has a very, you know, we think of wrestle as just kind of like a struggle. You know, we're not struggling against flesh and blood. Yeah, like you're wrestling, but you're standing up wrestling or or whatever, just kind of contesting a little bit. But when Paul wrote that, he was referring to what they would have been used to in that day, and they would wrestle to the death. Like there were no rules. Choking was involved. Anything that they could do to bring harm is what they did. And it wasn't just like, oh, you know, you get up and let's go at it again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Someone didn't walk away. And so that's the kind of wrestling we're talking about. If you can understand that when cares are coming at you, anxiety, 
worry, deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things. It's a spiritual life or death situation. Yes. Yes. It is going after the word of God in your heart. Yeah. Satan is always coming after the word of yes. God in your heart. That's what he wants to kill. Yes. That's what he wants to steal. Absolutely. And that's what he wants to destroy. Because if he can take that, he's got you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking, it might have been yesterday, um, but, you know, just about the, the deceitfulness of riches, right? Talk to me a little bit about that. What What is so deceitful about riches? Yeah, so I was, there is a study, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's out of Harvard. It started in 1938. And they studied a group of guys, um, some affluent, some not, you know, from the rough part of town. So anyways, this study is still going on. And they're studying their children and their great-grandchildren and all that. One of the things that they found was um, they were, because it's a secular study, you know, it's not a Christian study. But what they're doing is one of the things that they wanted to study was um, do riches or wealth make you happy? And what they found out is after all of your basic needs are met, it does not increase your happiness. Now, they said if you don't have your basic needs met, yes, that affects you in a great way. And we know that. But God's Paul says, and my God shall supply all your needs. Yes. So that's already a promise in the word that God's taking care of that can relieve the care and anxiety that we may have. Absolutely. He said, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink or where you're going to live. I'll take care of that. You have to trust him, but he'll take care of you. Um, But anyways, not trying to sidetrack, but it said that once your basic needs were met, it did not increase it up into they studied some billionaires. It had no effect on their how they felt. Um, The deceitfulness of riches is that it will tell you (laughs) that it's going to it'll try to lie to you and say it'll make you happy. Yeah. Or the deceitfulness. Everything is, all your needs are met. Everything is complete in your life. Mm-hmm. That the thing that we're supposed to find security in Christ with. Yes. That riches will try and tell you, I can supply I can that do that. for you. I can do that. Yes. I can bring you security. Yes. I can bring you peace of mind. I can bring you... I don't know. What are people... You know, what, what did Satan tempt Jesus with? Status? You know, he's like... Sure. You know, look at all this. I'll give you all these things. So rich. Not to trust in uncertain riches. Uncertain because they're they're fleeting. Yes. One day they'll be there and the next day they they won't. Yeah. And history has proven that again and again. But Paul said, I know how to be content. Yes. He said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. That's right. I can do, and that's literally where that scripture is found. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's saying, I can have very little and be just fine. Yes. And I can have a whole lot and it's still not going to mess it with me. change me. <laughs> yeah. He said, because I am, he said, I am sufficient in Christ. Yeah. That's where I find my I'm sufficiency. Fully sufficient in his sufficiency. Yes. That's, yeah. that's how it reads. Yeah. I am fully sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. And so that's what riches will do or the deceitfulness of riches. They'll lie to you and try to get you to chase them. And that's where the love of money comes from. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it's what people think that money will bring them. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. it's not the money itself. Yeah, it becomes God. It becomes mammon, right? The, it yeah. Your, your, your point of worship, it's the thing you look to to supply your needs. Right, right. Yeah. But it can never satisfy. And that's where lust comes in. So yes. it's kind of like this, uh, you know, we just see it going from one thing to another because then lust. It's the domino effect. Yeah, it can never be satisfied because right. then you see people who start chasing riches and, well, this didn't do it. This didn't make me happy. Maybe it's the next thing. And lust is never satisfied. Never. It's, it's impossible it's to satisfy impossible a lust. To satisfy Absolutely. Because it's an unholy, unsanctioned, or ungodly desire. Desire in and of itself is not bad. We're to desire. There, God um, ordains desire us to, the to best desire gifts. a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, but there are unholy desires. And um, lust obviously clearly falls in that category. In fact, it's the it's the prerequisite for something being unholy is lust is involved. Yeah. So we've got cares of this life. So anxiety, work, burden. Yeah, yeah. double mindedness. Yes. Um, we have the deceitfulness of riches. Yeah. It can come in and literally, think of it that way, the, the deceitfulness of riches can come in and choke out the word and cause you from speaking the truth. Yeah. Man. And then the lust for other things. Yeah. Choking out the word and making it unfruitful. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking down in this scripture. Um. So there's a scripture says, um, Matthew six twenty five. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. I referenced that a while ago, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then in first Peter, it says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's good. All your care, whether it's the worries that are trying to present themselves, you know, it says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Yeah. You don't have to be anxious about anything when you understand what we've been taught, the love of God. Yeah. And then the deceitfulness of riches, he shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ. He will, um, and he do, always does abundantly above what we could ever ask or think. Oh, absolutely. He's such a gracious, loving, giving God. He is, I, I think if any one of us were to just sit here and really begin to write out the blessings of the Lord, we would be overwhelmed with his goodness and his faithfulness to us. And then the lust for other things, you know, we just got to set our eyes and our heart upon him. He will give us the desires of our heart. He'll give us the good desires. Sure. The right desires. Absolutely. And weed out those things. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you use that term and that brings me to, you know, as far as my closing thoughts, what I, I want to encourage people with. Listen, a great garden uh, isn't one that never had a weed grow in it. Weeds grow in everybody's garden. It's just a good garden is maintained. So cares will come. 
the deceitfulness of riches will present themselves. Lust will try and offer you, you know, its services. It will try to lend itself to you as the pathway to satisfaction. But like any good gardener, you have to recognize uh, the weed from the desired plant, right? You have to recognize the, the briar, you know, from the, the fruit producer. They're, they grow up alongside one another. And in the early stages, it may not uh, be easy to recognize. But soon enough, you'll see the difference. And you have to be diligent to be every day. You know, my grandfather, he was a big gardener. Your dad's a big gardener. And uh, uh, it, he was out there uh, at, at night, pitch black, out there 10 o'clock at night after work, cleaning out his garden, weeding his garden you know, running the rototiller down those rows. And he was diligent every day. And people would go, oh, what a beautiful garden. Oh, how do you do this? You know, where, you know, where do you get the knack? Well, it was just a lot of consistent effort on his part. And when you see people that have a lot of fruit uh, of the word produced in their life, it isn't because God has graced them in a special way. It isn't um, because um, they drew the, the, the long straw, they're consistent. They're consistent to root out all the other things that life piles on their, their life as well. But you know what else comes with consistency? Just skill. Yes. You know, when you consistently do something. You learn to get better at it. You're, yeah, it becomes second nature. Yes. I remember when I would go out in dad's garden and, you know, we were either supposed to weed it or pick, you know, pick the the um, beans or whatever it was. And I would work really, really hard. And, and Dad wasn't mean about it at all. I mean, but, I like, you know, I was like, yes, this time I've done it. Like, I've done a good job. And he would go out there and suddenly, as he was weeding it, I was seeing through different eyes like, oh, I didn't see that. Or he would begin to pick the beans. Yeah. It's like I had done nothing, but he had the <laughs> skill. He was consistent, and he yeah. had done it for so long yeah. that um, I was learning by watching him, too, yeah. watching him weed his garden. And that's our walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we never arrive to the place where there's no more maintenance. He is constantly, you know, taking us through the next layer of our growth and our maturity. Uh, but just know that um, the fruit of God's word will always be present if we keep our hearts uh, filled with his love, keep the condition of our soil you know, without the rocks, and keep the, the thorns, the things that try to ascend themselves above the truth of God's word, removed. Well, I think that's going to wrap this episode up on thorny ground. I feel like we could still do a whole, like, really expand on it, but we're going to, we may cover it another time. Um, we always encourage you to let this, you know, make you hungry. Go study God's word. There's yeah. so much in there, so many truths, and just dig deeper. Um, next week, we get to talk about the good ground. Finally. Yes, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yeah. So it was sown on good ground that was ready, yes, ready for the seed to be sown. Yeah. 
and it produced a harvest, it said. We love harvest. Yeah. 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 That's always a good time. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us this week. We pray that it encouraged you, that it strengthened you. And we look forward to next week covering the good ground, the good good soil. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Have a great day.